So ready in five, four, three. What's up, everybody? This is the Red Band Podcast, your source for all film and TV related news and topics. I am your host, Anthony King, and here with me on my left is my co-host, Adrian. And as usual, sitting in the control room, our technical director, Michael Cards. <laughs> How's everyone doing tonight? Uh, I'm feeling good. You're feeling, feeling good? Really, really good, yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Tonight's discussion, it's interesting. It was originally going to be a versus topic. However, when we were talking about this beforehand and kind of warming up to the subject, I started to realize that for some reason, every time this topic comes up, it's, it's always a redundancy. It's been going on for decades. CGI versus practical effects. When I go off this, when I go off this top, what? You're like just constantly. I know, you're, you're yeah. looking at what's up. Dude, every single, every single time we ever get together and talk about this, it turns into one no, topic. No, I'm not talking about us, though. In general, we usually agree on the same type of topics and subject matter when it comes to debates like this. Yeah. But what I'm saying is society, the film industry, likes to debate about CGI versus practical effects. They like to argue which one's better, which one looks more clean. So really, it's not the, most of the, the argument between mm -hmm. us. Yeah. It's more of the argument on the professional studio stand. We try having the... I mean, let's just... Yeah, let's bring it up to the audience. Okay. We are very practical effects yes. people. Yeah. We love practical effects. We love working with actual, real, visual stunts and mechanisms, all these creations. Yeah. Yeah. However, that's not the thing where things are leading into. No. Absolutely not. The film industry is starting to shift away from the practical effects mm -hmm. and starting to move its way more into the digital realm mm -hmm. well kind of i'm gonna I'm let you go forward but we'll get back to that one yeah i mean they're kind of moving into that but i mean we we, we love practical effects yeah yeah what makes it so eye candy to it what makes it so appealing to us it's over cgi it's because it's more tangible it's like it's it's there it's you know something that it's it's more like an art because like for instance like in the movie the thing where mm -hmm. they created the whole you know chest ripping open mm -hmm. the fact that someone took the time to actually make that and it looks, I mean, it looks beautiful how it is versus the, you know, to make a CGI, you know, it's you, as well as how the actors react to it. Because when you have CG, I mean, practical, your actors are going to react, you know, oh, it's right there versus pretend it's there. Now, so, is that something that looks visually better or as for us as filmmakers, do we notice that and have more respect for that process? I think it's more the respect process. You think it's the respect. Yeah. You don't it's think it visually looks better. No, I mean, for certain I, movies, yes. I think, yeah, I think... You think so? I think practically it, it looks better in some cases. Or actually, I think in a majority... I want to say, of a percentage-wise, I want to say 60% of the time. It looks it, better. It looks better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously we have our bad CG... I mean, not bad CG, sorry, bad practical effects. Mm -hmm. But as for... Because, I mean, honestly, I think it's more that we respect the, the practical, how the effort that goes into it. So we give it more lenient to, you know to uh mistakes or doesn't look too convincing we just give it more respect like oh you know because they spent more time on it for cgi we know that what it takes behind just sit behind a computer and i don't know though there's something about watching a real character move and interact on screen that your brain notices it's something real rather than watching a cg character move around and interact with different characters on scene it's something that we talk about this a lot, the Uncanny Valley, how you notice where is the line difference between what you know is fake and what you know is real. No matter how 
far technology and CGI advances, we always notice that little something's off about yeah. this character when it's not real. Granted, we talk about old-fashioned prosthetics, old-fashioned costumes, old-fashioned effects, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah it's going to look a little outdated, but a lot of people are still using a lot of practical effects, and it still looks a lot better than what you're pulling out with on a computer. I mean, for instance, look, look at what's called Gumbo Toro mm -hmm. with Hellboy uh, and most of his movies where they use pr uh, prosthetic uh, costumes. Mm -hmm. You know, definitely could done with CGI, but not look as that, that as good. Yeah, for me, I really think it's the physics of it all. Yeah, I, I notice anytime you see any major CG element in the film, you can kind of notice the fluidity of whatever the object is. It just doesn't match up to the actual momentum of other characters or other real environments moving around in the scene. There's something always off where like, it doesn't feel like it should move like that. Biggest, the biggest thing I always notice is the floating head syndrome. Anytime they do a full CG head replacement or even head swap, yeah. you always notice that head floating around and it never feels like it's naturally attached to a body. Now that I would probably say is the result of moving away from practicality mm -hmm. to CGI because I know what you're kind of, it's all, pretty much anytime Iron Man is on screen. Yeah. And beforehand, they would make, uh, they were the first time they would they actually made a full suit, mm -hmm. and then the other times they would make like a an upper body almost like football pad. They had the full cost, well, at like, least like or at least for, from the for chest they to had shoulder to head physical pieces of yeah. an actual costume that he has on. Yeah. yeah, and it was like okay, like that may look cooler, it may look a little more official, but then it started to float away from that, and then it just went oh we'll just do full one hundred percent CG mm -hmm. and. The way it looks now, because now you see like 6K and ultra, you know, high definition. The high resolution, you're really noticing yeah. those pixels yeah. now. You can see the difference between like what's fake and what's mm -hmm. real. And a lot of the times the body is moving in a way to where the head doesn't even match. Yeah. And to yeah. me, it's mostly as well as lighting. Lighting? How, lighting on the CGI lighting is never is huge right. though. Lighting is huge. Yeah. Uh, to Any, me green screen any comp element it's important to have that lighting yeah but the problem is like with studios when they try to do the whole you know a cgi you know characters backgrounds whatever it is mm -hmm. this the lighting's never right how do you feel about a lot of these companies especially with marvel disney and just any major film studio they're moving towards more using cg elements and actual practical environments and characters how do you guys feel about that I think it kind of makes a little bit of sense because they have such a uh, a large portfolio of movies and shows that they've been wanting to that they're starting to make mm -hmm. all at once. So it kind of makes a little bit more sense to instead of funding an entire uh, an entire set location mm -hmm. like all these multiple shows, all these multiple movies, all these multiple scenes, it makes more sense to do it in a studio or in a giant green screen room or special effects wise rather than having to shell out money for different locations, mm -hmm. things like that. But yeah. in general of a movie, I think if you film an entire movie on green screen, I think you're going to lose a lot of emotion from the actors being placed in a certain situation. It's pretty much going to be like Avatar. It's hard to act towards an element that's not even there. Exactly. When you're trying yeah. to act like there's a monster about to attack you and you're just looking at empty green space it's really hard to really bring out those emotions That's, yeah or you're staring at a tennis ball you know it's just yeah it's and they're telling you like pretend that this is pretend this is a monster yeah and be scared mm -hmm. it's a tennis ball on a fucking pole but how do you feel when studios 
So you have a, so say you have a student who's working on a film project and they have multiple different locations. So they can either a film at those different locations, any heavy, heavy action sequences, they can take that into a studio green screen room and work out those elements versus a studio that just takes every environment, every location, every scene, and they only work primarily in a green screen studio room. Like, how do you feel about film industry transitioning more to only working literally in a studio again? It's versus I, going, because that used to be yeah. back in the days, it used to be everything was done in the studio, you never went out. And then yeah. we slowly started transitioning into going to locations and actually filming out in the public to get that natural real life element yeah and it seems like things are slowly moving back just to only working in studio it's not even, okay not even working back to our studio but even going back to you know stripping it just to a green screen room mm -hmm. because i mean we used to do the old school method where they built an entire set yeah. oh yeah on, so it was still on studio yeah it was still practical it was on set but i mean it mm -hmm. was just artificial lighting mm -hmm. yeah versus you know now we got to just all two oh. people walking into green room yeah that's all it is mm -hmm. um honestly i think it has to do more with time with the studio time? because time because I mean, now you're trying to get movies done as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So you're, you know, you're trying to get, you know, production done in two, three, even four weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then throw all your cash at what's it called? Uh, Post-production. Yeah. So this is definitely a cost value, yeah. well over an artistic value yeah. decision. Yeah. Because I mean, building a set will take weeks on end to build, mm -hmm. you know, to build multiple, or to build uh, multiple sets, mm -hmm. not just one set, but build multiple ones where that's tear down, rebuild, tear down, rebuild. Mm -hmm. And that could take weeks to do that versus, you know. So it's but, like the feeling of uh, pretty much having a layout and a production team on specifically just the sets mm -hmm, yeah. could take half a year even, depending mm -hmm. on the uh, the scale of the set and yeah. take up time. And, but, and all, as well, I mean, I'm, it's going to go slightly, a little bit off topic, but I mean, it's sim I mean, I think it's studios trying to avoid the uh, Hurricane Katrina situation. Oh, oh, what was that film? We were talking about the film. Justice League? Yeah, Justice League Mortals where, yeah, so back before they even greenlit for any Justice League film, any Man of Steel film, when they were still working off from after... Um, Nolan. Nolan. Yeah, no, it was during Nolan's. Oh, during. Yeah, it was during the original Batman and Dark Knight. They were, um, Warner Brothers was trying to kickstart Justice League Mortal. They got basically almost all the previs done. They hired the entire cast. They got set locations ready. They got props, production, backgrounds ready. Hurricane Katrina happened. That was wow. one of the major filming locations they're going to work with. And that was where a lot of the production stuff was at that got destroyed. Yeah. Literally destroyed the project. I mean, the Dark Knight basically also helped destroy that project because the Warner Brothers was like, we're getting so much money off the Dark Knight. Yeah, Why right. work on Justice League yeah. Mortal? Yeah. Yeah. But the but idea, the, yeah, when but the idea they just lose all, everything's gone. Just gone. Yeah. That's, that's tough. Yeah. So I think it's just, I think it has to do with a little bit of that too as well. That the idea that you could just lose everything in mm -hmm. a second. But Cut, when they do that to cut corners, because a lot of this has to do with cost and production time and scheduling. So you want to get production done as fast as possible. Yeah. However, the more green screen elements you're adding to your film, you're just extending your post-production time. At the same time, studios don't understand that they still put these visual effects companies on a scheduled time frame, So they're crunching their time even more and more to work on visual effects that they know will take months and they have to get to cut down to work on it for like weeks. Yeah. So this is a huge drawback that I've been seeing a lot in the film industry where if they want to go with a full CGI, full, you know, green screen environments, full digital environments, they need to have 
the time for the production team to really put together the work or else you're just going to get shoddy shit. That's it, exactly what happened to Black Panther with the final fight scene. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, it should, we, we always, in hindsight, it should always be that way. It should yeah. be, you know, put effort into certain, you know, certain, per, um, mm-hmm. in certain areas, you know, your project. But mm-hmm. when, you know, they're trying to get it, you know, just as quickly as possible, just get something out as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, that's all, you know, essentially they think just by throwing cash at it, it's going to fix it. Yeah, but you see what happened to Sonic, right? Yeah. They rushed a visual effects team. They're like, fuck it, let's throw something out. They threw out that shoddy ass Sonic. Oh, God. And guess what happened? The backlash was. The backlash was tremendous. Fans got pissed. They had to rethink all their decisions. They had to re scrap, remodel the character. And at the end of the day, that visual production company still went down. Yeah. Kids were crying. Tornadoes were happening. Floods (laughs) were created. Man, mass floods, hurricanes. Just the world went to shit after that. God. That was. Yeah, that's that's a prime example. But it gets crazier, and they're not learning from this. This is becoming even more of a trend in the future now. Like, how do you guys see? Do you guys see a lot more of CGI elements heading into the future of Hollywood? I say yes. Do, do you think it's going to get to the point where we're going to have full-on films that look almost photorealistic that have zero characters in there? It's just all voice dubbed and just yes. I honestly do see that happening now. Not anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Now that like, we're not talking about the next five, 10 years, mm-hmm. I will, it will happen mm-hmm. where they will bake, you know, full-blown CGI. I mean, there was an attempt to do a movie with, um, I believe it was going to be uh, Elvis or, no, no, James Dean. They were going to attempt to bring him back in a, in a movie. That's right. I remember They're hearing gonna about rem- that. They're going to remap. Wow, really? Yeah. It really? was an attempt, but there was so much backlash behind it that they, they yeah. canceled it. it was, yeah, they were, they were going to bring back, I think it was supposed to be like um. It was supposed to be a movie about him filming one of the movies or something like that, you know? It was or James like, Dean, right? Yeah. Yeah, James Dean. Something having to do with him, his character, or James Dean. I think, was it Rebel Without a Cause? I think, I think so. I think it was. Did you find it there? Um, Let's see here. It was Magic City Film said Wednesday that it was secure the rights for the family for the Oscar actor James Dean to use a CGI version of the character of the actor who played in the role of the upcoming Vietnam War drama Finding Jack. Oh, that's it right there. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, there were it, it was backlash behind it and they just canceled it. Yeah. This was back in 2019 though. Yeah. So yeah. Do you think that will actually become a thing though, using dead actors? bringing them back to life digitally and having them as full-blown characters with lines. I think it's already started. Like, do you think you're going to actually get a full-on I mean, Tupac have... film with CG Tupac? I mean, Honestly, yeah. We got the hologram. I mean, we had the one from Rogue One, the actor who played Tarkin. But yeah. that was just like a quick cameo, not like a quick cameo scene, like a full-on like, hey, we're acting like this person's we, still alive and he's a character in this we film. We might. Fast and Furious. We might get on Fast and the Furious. Fast we and might. Furious? We might. Do you with think Paul so? Walker. Maybe. Oh, uh, I... They were in talks about bringing his brother to do, you know, to act out his, you know, to be the character. Uh, I don't know. At that point, that that's where, like, I think but then that's again, just okay, wrong. It, I mean, but that is a family member, though. That's yeah. but still, it's like it's like robbing the grave of an actor that's already dead. Now, here, like, why don't they just do it for the brother playing the role instead of, you know, face swapping for his brother? Like, you see, yeah. I mean, the, the story people will is still already, respect it. People will still respect it. It's already ridiculous enough. I mean, that's not the most ridiculous thing now, that now, the Fast mm-hmm. and Furious writers yeah. can do. That's yeah. gonna be. I, I I think it might happen for sure. But as for uh, you know, bringing dead actors back, 
and I'm talking about like, you know, mm-hmm. Marilyn Monroe and I'm talking about like that uh, age of Hollywood. Yes. Mm-hmm, I think right. eventually at one point we will see a movie starring, you know, one of these dead actors come back, you know, 50, 80 years from now. Like you, you think I mean, the, the pullback yeah. golden age yeah. actors. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be weird. Or maybe a movie about old time, about old Hollywood and they bring in, you know, I don't know if people will accept that though. That's. No. That's tough. That is really it's, tough. No, that no, is that's a whole moral gray line. Yeah, no, I don't think a lot of people are going to accept. It's, it's, it's like I say, because I mean, there were talks about that before with, you know, musicians be doing mm-hmm. tours. Yeah. When they talk about doing Queen, a tour with, you know, Freddie Mercury or Tupac or, you know. Well, that uh, was when there was a, remember the beginning of the hologram. Michael yeah, that's Jackson what I'm saying. Hologram. Yeah, yeah. They're talking about doing like with the Beatles, Elvis. They're like, they're ta- they had like an entire list of singers that mm-hmm. they wanted to do it with. At that point, when does it stop? Yeah. It just doesn't. It doesn't stop. It just comes to the point of like, yeah, we like we now own. When you sign a contract with any sort of label now, it's like, yeah, we own all the rights to know to your music, your image. And also after you die, we still have the rights to use you whenever we want. Like as, as stupid as how the de-aging is going to be in the future, I still find it okay and acceptable rather than completely redigging someone dead up. Yeah. Like I would rather have them reboot the Die Hard series with a D-age Bruce Willis. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. I don't know about that, man. I would rather accept that. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would accept, accept that, that a lot more than they brought just fucking anyone dead back. No, no, I get that. I'd rather have that than, than bringing back, you know, like say Paul Walker for doing another, front, another yeah. Fast and Furious. Yeah. Well, then, then just do the old traditional write-off. Write that character off and mm-hmm. be like the son of, the brother of, fucking whatever, you know? When do you think we're actually going to start getting the D-Age for, like, action heroes, a reboot series? It might be fucking Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah. we're never going to let that Because we talked about that in the previous episode, man. Reboots and remakes, man. This is the perfect chance. You got the technology. Uh, Bruce Willis can still do voice work. Uh, you know you know that can come. I think they... I, Lax action hero, you know Arnold Schwarzenegger can come back. Oh no, I think they could. I think honestly, I think they might attempt it once and see how the audience will take it. Expendable five, like a reboot. Expendable five, <laughs> or not a reboot, but Expendable five, like a prequel. Oh, Was there a fourth God. Expendables? No, I don't know. I can't. I, I don't remember. I, I lost track of it. <laughs> I and I like those movies too. <laughs> The, the first one was cool. Everything after that was just like, all right, I'm done. You're just like, I can't do this anymore. Once I saw a CGI helicopter go down from Wesley Snipes, I was out. I say, I personally, I like those movies. Old action sto- action heroes, I'm all for it. Don't remember oh, any plots. Say what you will about the bad CGI in those films. They still use a lot of great visual, like actual practical effects. Oh yeah, no, they do. They really do. How do you feel about practical effects heading into the future of the film industry? Do you think that's something that's going to slowly die out like it is? Or do you think there's going to be at least some kind of resurgence? Or is there going to be like a middle balance? Middle balance. Middle balance. Heavy middle balance because CGI will never go away, for one. Mm-hmm. Practical, the same thing, will never go away because most actors still like to, you know, want to hold on to something. That, they don't want to do the whole, you know, pretend it's in your hand. I, no matter what, I just keep going back to, what was it, New Moon, the Twilight Sagas? Oh, with God. Taylor Lautner dressed up in this green suit and just... Jesus. Kneeling forward. I got to bring up the image. Yeah, I have to bring yeah. up that image. She's petting his head. Yeah. God. That, that, I think that's just a power move from the director. It that's was all. a power move. You think it that was, was a power move? It was a power move to let everyone know, like, hey, I'm sleeping with Kristen Stewart. Not even that. And to know I'm in charge. <laughs> and I'm I'm in charge? Like, was to that just a I'm punishment? I'm in charge and you're going to do that for me. Was that just a punishment for Taylor Lautner? Like, he said something that just 
He says something about the script that honestly did not make sense. There we go. Here, here's that image. So oh, that, God. <laughs> that is so awkward. Like I would rather them bring out a stuffed giant wolf yes. that looks even shittier than that, but it's something that she can actually interact with. Yes. Why not just put a tennis ball on a stick? Just here you go. <laughs> even that would that be would, more that acceptable. Been, that would have been better. That anything, <laughs> like, but he still has the shorts on. <laughs> like I would I just I don't understand <laughs> why I, they did this. Like, it, it just does not make sense. Like, when you see other shit that came out later, like, think about Game of Thrones. Anytime Daenerys was interacting with the dragons, they at least had, like, a green the, yeah. little sock puppet thing yeah. for her to interact with. Look up the one for Life of Pi. Oh, the tiger? Yeah. yeah. That one still makes me laugh. Because they, uh, someone intentionally drew, I think, a smiley face on it. <laughs> Especially for, like, the dramatic scene where he's holding the tiger, like, in his lap. And they think they're going to, oh, yep, yeah, they they, yeah, they have there like eyes and stuff on there. Yeah, they, had, they drew little eyes. <laughs> but <laughs> that's better. Yeah. That is something a lot better. That, I understand that. Think how awkward if you had a person leg in his lap and just have him stroke his fucking <laughs> it's head. It's Taylor Lautner. <laughs> Again, they brought back Taylor Lautner. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it needs to work, so. Oh, God. <laughs> but, like, why? Why? Go through all that effort. You have to still hire him yeah, yeah. to be there on set. You I, could have had anyone else do that. It had to be a beginner. It had to be a beginner artist that was just breaking out. No, no, no. That that was just director just, just being, being an asshole. Dick. That's all it was. <laughs> just being an ass. That's all it was. <laughs> Anybody who ever has the chance, Google that when you get home. If you're listening to this on the way home, just Google New Moon Twilight. <laughs> Taylor Lautner CGI. It's and it's great. We'll have it in a link on the bottom. It's just it's, it's so great. great. God, it's it just makes you wonder why the hell that was even needed at all. But do you think with practical effects, there's going to be a downplay on what they're going to use practical effects for? Like, do you think it's going to be something where more now indie studios, lower budget studios, are going to be worried trying to keep the practicality, the actual physical effects on scene, rather than big studios who are just you know on a time schedule, just trying to run everything. I mean, when it comes to like practical effects for like an indie studio, yeah, you know, they want to be, you know, for instance, like for us, if we want to make a, a, a superhero movie, we're going to build an entire costume. We're going to build, you know, sets. We're going to build weapons mm -hmm. yeah. uh, versus, you know, a, you know, universal or major studio. They're going to want to, you know, you know, they're going to want to make a colorful suit. They're going to want to make a, you know, the gun make weird, you know, transitions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they're going to CGI the entire thing mm -hmm. just because they're capable of versus you know like I said back to it down to us our level is just we want to make it look good that's mm -hmm. all we care about yeah definitely no matter what the end of the game should be making your product yeah. look good as best as possible but like I said studios sometimes want to create above and beyond they want to make not mm -hmm. only to the and sometimes in their minds not making it look good but making it look extreme mm -hmm. but we said before that this is more of trying to combine elements because this discussion is not even about versus this is yeah. about how you complement both CGI and practical effects in your film when do you think at what point in a film should you be using CGI and then when should you be using practical? I, I have an answer for that one. You do? I think it should be an expansion of, say, a scenic shot. Mm -hmm. So say you've only built the part of, part of a street, yeah. basically, but you want to showcase the rest of the city above that shot. I would use practical to build half of the street, say that you're on, and then use the 
CGI part to build the city behind that. The CGI should be used as a part to further draw a person in depth of the environment. Mm-hmm. I would just be like, oh, they're in New York. And then, but really, it was probably part of a set that was built in the parking lot of the studio. Mm-hmm. But it's to sell the idea of like, oh, they're in New York. So you think it's always should be like a world extension. A world extension or at least small. God, I'm trying to think of examples. I'm trying to think of like. Well, do you understand what I'm trying to say? Like I yeah. see because I see what you're talking about when you're mixing like real world sets. So when you build actual buildings, but behind them, you have the green screen and you yeah. need to extend your world out yes. to finish it. What about with characters, though? Because characters is the number one thing people will notice when it comes to CG. When you have a CG character move around and when you actually have a real life character moving around. Is there a difference on when you should have a character be completely digital and a character be fully physically on set with makeup? Again, I think it varies because, I mean, if you go back to, like, say, for instance, like, uh, like Young Motor and Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it makes sense to have a practical, you know, you have interaction one, mm-hmm. one you know, with an actor with the, in costume mm-hmm. versus if you're to have, let's say, uh, Transformers. Yeah. You know, are you really going to build a an actual twenty foot robot and have yeah. a mash around in a city? I always bitch about when it comes to like Michael Bay, but the motherfucker knows where to put the money at. Yes. So he is a great example of how you mix practical and CGI effects because the real world being destroyed around those characters is a real actual effects. He's blowing up real buildings. Those are real fireworks. Those are real cars flipping up. Or flip it over, but there's actual no actual characters there. Yeah, I mean, look at the scene from uh, Bad Boys Two mm-hmm. when he's going down the uh, the slums, just crashing through every building, mm-hmm. blowing every single thing up. All practical, every single everything. But what happens when you get to specific shots? So, say if you have a orc character you need to have, when he's moving around at a distance, it makes it easier to have a CG character because you don't notice all those small little details, you know, poor skin, hair follicles, you know, moving around in the face. But what happens when you bring the camera closer to that character? You start noticing all those imperfections. Yeah. Do you think it's better to, when you get closer to a subject, to always have a real element subject? Yes. Yeah. 100. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing I can draw the difference to is when you watch the original Lord of Rings and you have those orcs and then you have the Hobbit series. Those orcs were CG. Then the yeah. Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. That was, and that was noticeably bad. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I hated it. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I hated. Like I, said, I, I, I mean, it's no secret that I'm not a big fan of what's called Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I. You son of a bitch. <laughs> but I do. What I do is I do appreciate the art behind it. Yeah. How it's filmed, the making behind it. I. That's one thing I actually do appreciate and respect. That uh, is a perfect blend of practical and CG. Yeah. yeah. It is. I mean, that is. That's, when you think of movie, that is the movie. Yeah. You, yeah. Once I heard, I still remember when I hear about the Hobbit. That they're gonna do, you know. I saw the CGI rooms, mm-hmm. the whole green screen rooms with the lights on top. I'm like, why are they doing that? It never made sense to me why they decided to go that route versus doing what they did originally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I it guess was... to save money, but but I get environments. I just don't get the characters. Why did they went for the full CG characters? Yes, it's money and it's time consuming for all the makeup department and everything. But here's where I go back is. It's the uncanny valley. You notice it every time they yeah. move around. It's janky as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It, they're gummy. Their texture is so soft on their skin. I don't like that. The only time CG looks good for like a character is usually when they're masked in darkness or some kind of shadow. Yeah. There's one film, one film that I struggle with seeing the uncanny valley. And that is Logan. The scene where Wolverine's going up the stairs and X-24, the clone, is coming down the stairs. Oh, yeah. I got to bring that up. 
That yes. scene, I still struggle to notice the difference between the two because it looked that fucking clean. Because that, okay, so the person, they, so they got, there was actually an actual double that they put for it to walk down the stairs to Acton for, you know, for uh, Hugh Jackman to react to. And then they did a head replacement of Hugh Jackman. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, yeah, this yeah, one right here. Here it is right here. They did a head replacement of Hugh Jackman over that actor, and it was so clean. So fucking clear. Okay. Honestly, I thought that they filmed it. With like a double. I thought it was a just double. a double. I thought it was a double that just looked like Hugh Jackman. But then the way they they rotated the camera to show both mm -hmm. of them. Okay, right here. Like, okay. That's head replacement. Right there. Look at that. Camera turn. Just to show. Look at boom, that. that. Look at that. This is not two different shots. All one shot. And you needed those shadows. You needed that shadow when he first comes down the steps yeah. to really sell the point of this is a real person moving in the environment. Play that back again real quick. Yeah. Just because, God, it's so fucking good. It's clean. Like, look at this. Final comp on the left. Like, there is slight head floating. Yeah. But it's hard to tell because he passes through that shadow. You're not noticing it. Yeah. Because that shadow masks a lot of the outside, like the lighting, I mean, the edges around his head. Yeah. But look how much was actually replaced. It's insane with that type of effects level. And that's what I'm talking about. When you actually give a company that time and you're not trying to rush a production schedule, you get beautiful effects like that. Yeah. yeah. When you don't, your shit looks janky like fucking Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Yeah. Granted, Mortal Kombat came out way earlier. But even no, no, when no, Mortal I, Kombat I'm not came out. It. I'm never going to excuse that movie, you, Annihilation, so. Yeah, yeah. Don't even, even when, try. I would excuse Mortal Kombat, the first one, but not okay. Annihilation. The first one is. How would you excuse the first one? That it had some shitty. I understand, but are damn, we not going to talk about Scorpion's chain well, dagger well, for a second? We'll say <laughs> coming out of his hand. We'll, we'll, say, we'll that. say that for next week. Yeah, that that movie's coming out, so we'll and definitely be saving that. We'll make a comparison. Length to chase Johnny fucking Cage <laughs> through a a fucking orchard. Well, pretty we'll, much. We'll, we'll have a debate on that one. I'll definitely tell you. have a debate. You know, debate but, on that shit. <laughs> that's how I feel, though. That you really need to compliment both CG elements and real life elements. You need to properly plan everything out. If that is the route you're gonna go with, with making everything CG, you still need to have the same pre-production planning you would have for an actual physical effect shot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It just works better that way. You can't When just, you just shoot it and like, fuck it, we'll figure it out later. Yeah, you, you can't shoot it and be like, oh, we'll fix it in post. Like, and no. Unfortunately, that's the, that's the common idea behind a lot, a lot of films. Just fix it in post. They think post is like a magical realm where yeah. everything, everything can be fixed. yeah, everything will be fixed. Everything will all the mistakes you made will just go away. It's like that's but not how it happens. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. You can only work with the good proper footage yeah, that but, you shoot with. Yeah, but even then, okay, because I remember I was even taught this in uh, when I was you know going to school for filming. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I was taking a photography class. I was actually taught by the the instructor was fix it in post. Oh, are you serious? No. I'm dead serious. I was told fix Who it in post. The fuck, which no, I, I even no. even. When at that time when I knew barely anything at all, I was like, uh, like no, you gotta fix it. You gotta, you gotta plan it right. You gotta fix do it, it right the pre. first time. Fix it in pre. Fix it in pre. <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm, it's like no, you don't fix I need it that after. Shirt. I know. I need, I need that fucking sticker and shirt. Just God, fix it in pre. Yeah, but you don't fix that shit after. You don't. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, like I said, I, I don't know why that. I'm sure that instructor doesn't work there no more. But yeah, I just I don't appreciate I don't appreciate that path that people try to go. Everything just. 
yeah, we'll shoot it okay-ish and then we'll figure out later. No, I want to plan that. So that's one thing I do respect about Marvel. It's incredible how they can get put together multiple different production companies using almost the same type of data and codes and, you know, assets and still piece together a full film that looks generally the same scene to scene. Yeah. It's hard. That's in, that's an incredible fucking feat to try to do. Yeah. When I saw Endgame, that entire final battle, I was like, holy fucking shit. Didn't they have like 11 different studios working that? Or I don't know if like it was that? 11, but it was... It was a lot, way yeah. more than two or three. And the fact that they could all work together. And match up all those assets together yeah. to make it just as clean awesome. as you can make that. That was incredible. That is the only time where I can say, yeah, fuck it. Make everything CG. I don't care. That was beautiful. That was great. I really yeah. hope people will listen to this podcast or these podcasts mm -hmm. and really kind of look at film a little bit differently now. Yeah. You know, and really be like, or at least this one in particular, practical and CGI. Mm -hmm. And really look and be like, and see if they can pick which one's real and which one's fake. Christopher Nolan is misjudged and misrepresented like, as being full-on practical effects. Yeah. I don't miss with computer-generated. No, no. He still uses. He uses so much computer-generated graphics in all his films. So much CGI. It's just he knows how to use CGI, which is to complement his real effects. Yeah. That's what you should be using it for. Is a complementary aspect, yes. not your entire world building aspect. That's what I mean. That's when, what I'm talking I mean, about. Two Faces, I mean, from Dark Knight, yeah. Two Face, that was yeah. incredible when it first came out. Yeah. That wasn't prosthetics. No, that was all digital. Yeah, that was all digital. And it was, and it looks awesome. I think because the, of the level mm -hmm. that they took Two Face, mm -hmm. I think to do a prosthetic, it would have looked janky as hell. Yeah, but he still knows when to sell a moment. You got Joker walking on the hall, the hospital. Did he decide to CGI fake blow up the hospital? No, nope. this motherfucker wanted to blow up yeah, a hospital. Real one, yeah. yeah. But yet again, that goes back to cost and time. Yeah. But it's Christopher Nolan. He can get away with it because it's Christopher Nolan. He can do what he wants on set and just everyone kind of just puts their head down like, yes, Mr. Nolan, yeah. yeah, we'll do it right away, even, sir. Even Warner Bros. is like, are you, are you sure you don't want to I think the only thing you want more IMAX cameras, we'll give you more. You're going to keep yeah, breaking them. The only thing yeah, I think, what, I mean, the only thing I think was CG on the 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 hospital blowing up scene mm -hmm. was some of the windows were CG. Makes sense. I mean, but that's added elements. Yeah. Those are added elements. No, I think they're added because someone stole the windows. Really? I th I, yeah, someone <laughs> stole uh, Someone stole some windows. Why? <laughs> they they didn't have guards, I guess, when they were filming the, at night. Like, they're prepping up. The next day, they showed up. A few of the windows are missing. It turns out someone stole them. But, like, <laughs> like why, why windows? Why would you steal windows? Is there, dude, like, a black market for that? Dude, you find out what they're... <laughs> you'll be surprised. That's so dumb. Yeah, that's dumb. You know what's getting crazy, though? Is it's starting to become a trend. The first show to actually do this was The Mandalorian, but using... LED screens for green screen. Yeah, it's. Well, like, I, mean, I think yes. the first, like, I think the first film to do that was Tom Cruise Oblivion, right? Yes. Did not know that till you told me that. Yeah, it's incredible that whole like his whole little fortress scene. All those, anything outside exteriors, those windows, those were just all LED screens. But just about every set on the Mandalorian, they just worked in the studio with that full on LED. LED. Yeah, like um, like they they mentioned that they still created, they still created props. To be able to blend, interact, yeah, to still blend in with the LED, so it wasn't entirely all, but the the surrounding wall around them and above them was all LED. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, look at this shit like, right here. So you have the entire world environment around him, but that's just all digital screen. That's not like something that's a green prop, but then you have to fix that in a computer later. They're 
visually adding this in real time as they shoot. You have a computer hooked up to a camera on a rig that can motion track with the motion of the LED screens. So anytime the camera moves, you have that natural glide movement. See how it's on those little racks? So anytime they move the camera, the LED screen, yeah, see that little jib thing? The LED mm -hmm. screen will actually move along with the camera to keep it in focus and in track. Perfect. That shit's incredible. The ground itself is practical. They still have to sell the ground, oh, yeah. the, the rubble, yeah. like some rocks and things like that. But anything out in the distance, like the wall surrounding, you know, completely vertical. So it's like, you can still, it's a blend of practical and well-placed CGI. Like, how do you feel about films heading into this direction where now you don't even need to wait months later for like how it's going to look on the computer. Someone's literally creating the world around you as you're acting it. No, no. They, I remember reading up on this that they're, they actually made a rig similar to the LED screen, but the entire room is green screen and it's being rendered in real time. Mm. The entire set. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I mean, it's been practiced, but eventually this will be practical in the actual film industry where it's become the new norm. Where it's being rendered in real in, time. In real time. And you even get that with CG characters now. So say with the whole, you know, Dawn of the Planet, Apes, War of the Planet, Apes, Caesar character, all those Apes characters, a lot of those models were like kind of like a rough cut pre-rendered already on the digital screen while they're watching it on their monitor in real time, watching the characters move around the mocap. So it really helps you visualize how a character is selling his facial structures, even for complete CG characters. Like, how do you guys feel about, like, the full mocap characters? That, I'm, I'm actually, Andy Serkis in general, his whole I, career. I don't I'm mind that, actually. Andy Serkis can sell the, the shit out of it. Mm -hmm. I think Andy Serkis is the only one that can sell the Do you think that's going to be becoming more of a thing, is actually bringing impossible, unhuman-like characters and making them more human-like by having real actors physically move them around? Like they Avatar? should. Mm -hmm. They should do that. Will they do that? That's a different story. Because, but, again, it's become... It's now a... A cost thing, that's, because you, you're that's bringing money. Out. That is money to get those effects. You're yeah. not just rushing it out the door. Like, hey, yeah. we need these effects within like a month or two. They took their fucking time. They had to take their time. No, yeah, because this this all to make those is all pre-production. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be done pre. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you now you're bringing an entire new crew to do just the uh, the mocap. Yeah, because that's you know not. Not every not every director is gonna know how to work with mocap, so you got to bring an entire crew to you know. I mean, it's gonna be on the same line as how you have um, choreography for like training fight scenes. Yeah. You're gonna have to bring in a professional to teach your actors how to move around the suits, how to properly emote their faces. Yeah, I mean, it'll be the same thing as training any person, like you know, um, Henry Cavill, just to lift up some weights and throw some punches. Yeah, I would love to see more of it, mm -hmm. but we'll see if the, you know if Hollywood will catch up on that. I really hope so. I really, really do hope that they can. And like I said, as well for the Mandalorian, the reason they're able to do that is because ILM has a full control over that. <laughs> <laughs> they they could they could do whatever they want with that, dude. Have you seen how they did with the uh 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 what's it called when they're in the um in the the Y wing or no the X wing? Sorry, the X wing. No. And they're fighting. They're using the same exact thing. The LED screens in the back, mm. and that thing is. He's literally strapped in flying a thing. So those were also, okay, those were also the LED screens too. Yeah. Okay, I, that I did not know that they were yeah, using that. That's also the LED screens. And he's also being tossed around in those shits. God, that's awesome. I wonder how much it costs just to rent out Studio Day with those LED screens. God. I, <laughs> dude, I don't even think it's about cost of how you can use it. It's about cost on making this. Making the, it. Mm. Making the backgrounds 
and getting everything prepared. Those backgrounds, I know with the Mandalorian, they were using the Unreal Engine. Yeah. Unreal Engine 4, mm-hmm. which I'm super... Ex- or was it 4 or 5? I five. forgot which... 5. five That's the newest one. Yeah, the newest one's 5. Yeah, the one that one's coming out. I'm super stoked about what a lot of those assets that are going to be coming out because most of that stuff is now going to be open for you know, lower indie people to even start using some of those assets now. Which they Film should... assets yeah. for digitally replaced backgrounds. Which, okay, this is one thing I've never understood is mm-hmm. why they restrict it from indie filmmakers to, to major studios. Why we can't have access to certain things that the major studios do. Money. It's all about the money. I understand that's that the money, shit. but think about, think about the stupid prices people sell stock on Adobe stock. It's Yeah, but the, think about assets. this. But think about this. That if it's, it's us. If they told us, hey, you, no, you get the same assets for under 500 bucks, mm-hmm. how many studios are indie studios are going to go in there and grab it as quickly as they can versus, you know, they're telling them, you know, you have to spend, you know, thousands to get what we know to use the RFX. I tell about like them, like subscribing their effects out yeah. instead of just straight up paying for them for like project to project. Yeah. You can do that. But at the same time, it's usually never really the studios who are doing them themselves are creating the assets. Yeah. It's usually one, two people creating the assets that they tend to share it among the community. Yeah. I would say it would make it business aspect probably mm-hmm. more profitable if you help out the, the small guys versus the big guys. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, got a little off topic right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know, just really went past that. Before we close this off, I just want to talk about is what will be, no, what are your favorite practical effect films? And then what are your favorite CGI films? And then we'll go over the worst for those. Okay. So, uh, Mike, do you, Mike do you want to start off? Like, what are your favorite practical film? Like, just not even practical films, like, in general. What is your pra- favorite practical effects in films? Even a scene. Mm. Like, hey, I love this movie because this shot had a great practical effect. You know what? I'm going to say... I'm just... Oh, it's always going to be Lord of the Rings. It's always Lord of the Rings? Yeah. And, and one particular shot that I'm thinking of is that giant aerial shot of Isengard. Now, the, here's the cool shit. It's in the two towers. The, the part where they show Isengard and then they take the camera or whatever. They oh, go through and the they, tunnels. They're, they're showing the entire, the entire orc army. The orc, like, yeah. almost like ant-like tunnels. All that 100% practical. Giant was ass. That, that was all practical that too, yeah? That was all practical. Yeah, that was a miniature. The only oh, thing yeah. that wasn't practical, or no, was the orcs. The orcs themselves. Were they, were they real, comps, right? They were they're, real people, but they were comped in. Yeah. Yes. And I love that. The fact that all that was real, it was all uh, miniatures that was made. And they just had a camera track in and then just follow through. No, I get what you mean. That's all all practical effects for that thing. But yeah. I didn't know that every element with that was, I thought a lot of that was at least like computer generated. Yeah. yeah they they uh, used a lot of miniatures. They in that used one. a lot of miniatures and I loved that. The fact that they went and and built here this oh, right this scene yeah. yeah here's the scene there yeah right here all that 100 percent practical the Damn. only thing that are comped in is it's just, the, the actual element characters moving around yeah the actual element characters all of that 100%. well i see a lot of because i know to get like those thousands of characters moving around that has to be a lot of simulations moving like happening like character simulations because yeah. when you start getting like thousands and thousands of people like what was that like i showed you guys that scene where uh, with the end of gandhi um, where you have that giant celebration for Gandhi's death. Oh, yeah. All those were real fucking people. Yes. It was like 400,000 people. 400,000 extras. Like, how do you 
manage 4,000 people, 400,000 people. Look at that. Look at just like pause that. (laughs) How do you manage that? You don't. Some people show up and stand in place. Like, this is one of, I will say, one of the greatest moments for, like, I can't even say it's a practical effect because it's not even much of an effect. It's just the sheer amount of balls to try to manage (laughs) that many people. Okay. I mean, I have a theory behind it. What might have helped out Mm -hmm. is the fact that. In India, people have massive respect for for Gandhi. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they were making a movie about him, they're able to come out. And they, do it's that. like it's like you're you know you're part of now mm-hmm. a new history kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like we need, like we're going to be shooting. I think they put out like probably flyers and just everywhere. Just like we're going to be putting out, or we're going to be making a scene uh, of Gandhi uh, at his funeral. Mm-hmm. They take away, and people will probably just flocked. Yeah, and they were just like, or even just be like, hey, want the chance to be in a movie? <laughs> and then everyone just moved to it. See, that is incredible for using actual practical people. When I talk about practical effects, my mind, no matter what, always goes back to John Carpenter's thing. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. usual yep. horror films in general are the best examples for working with practical effects. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not gonna argue that one. That yeah. one's the best horror yeah. body gore scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially when you have to. When it rips out, comes when, straight up. Oh yeah, when the giant spider Ugh. head lay, or the, the giant like tentacle head comes out, and then it turns into spider legs. Like yeah. all that yeah. was incredible. Fun fact though, it, they fucked up one time and they had to reset. Oh yeah, it took two weeks what? to reset. Yeah, that is like when you talk about time constraints and everything. Yeah. That is something that a lot of people don't consider when you're working with practical effects. You fuck up, and it's an extensive effect. That shit takes a long time to reset. What about yours, Adrian? What's your favorite one? Uh, it's got to be the Saw franchise. Saw? I knew you yeah. were going to say that. Yeah. I, the reason I say I love them, the practical, because not only are they real, uh, they are real, which means they're fully functional. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. The, the Venus flytrap on the second film. No. Yeah, second film. Actual is, function trap, right? Yeah, it's fully functional. Uh, they built it literally on the day of, uh, I think they, like within when they met the actor, because they had to measure out his face for the spikes to not impel him. Damn. I mean, they're made out of rubber, but still. Uh, the reverse bear trap is fully functional. <laughs> There's only oh. a safety pin stopping it from actually ripping your mouth open. <laughs> How would you feel if that film was like full CGI deaths and traps? They I did wonder- that with Jigsaw. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that they one. They did yeah. that with Jigsaw, and that's what you get out of You get a crappy looking I mean, trap. they still had some real effects. Yeah, you did. That. But, but when janky. they did that one weird... That bicycle effect, Bicycle right? one, yeah, yeah. it was weird. That was the only one that really drew me off. I was like, okay, like, why? Why do that? They Every set was built, you know, mm-hmm. like I said, fully functional. I bet it was just kind of like, you know what? Like, people are getting burned out on this, and they don't have the money for actual practical props, and they're like, you know what? Just, just fucking get just, out. Just yeah. get out of yeah, the Yeah, at way. that point, it was just yeah. about getting yeah. done as quickly as possible. Yeah. Do you guys have favorite CGI effects in films? Uh, I do have one that just simply because... Is it Saw again? No. <laughs> <laughs> Is it Jigsaw? <laughs> it's going to be uh, Gladiator. Gladiator. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, yes. What scene? What scene? Uh, it's a scene where that one... I forget. I don't know his name, but I know when he's talking to Ro- uh, Russell Crowe in it's the, the... It's the old man. The old man, yeah. When he's talking to him. The uh, Remember the one that was like... Uh... When he's telling him about, you know, about free being free? Yeah. Uh, you're talking about is um, he died halfway through the production of the movie. Ah, oh, fuck me! I, I'm trying to remember his name. Was it? Hold on, hold on. Go back up to that list. Oh, I could just. Oh yeah. Go to IMDb <laughs> right here. Make it difficult. Go. Proximo. 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 There we go. Oliver Reed. Yes. 
I hated Walking Phoenix because of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for a long time, I really did not like Walking Phoenix because of this movie. He played that role a little too well. Yeah. 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 Little bastard. Yeah. For me, practical effects, or sorry, for CGI, CGI. effect was um the abyss. The pseudopod, that water element that came out. Oh yeah. That was that effect kind of that holds up still. Yeah, that's that, hey, the whole um the little refractal, the refraction of the light and the yeah. elements how it goes through, that holds up for when it came back in. That that movie came out in 89? Yeah. I was about to say 86, but 89, yeah. Yeah, 89. Well, yeah. Yeah, eight, but, nine, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Even all the way back then, that's a that's a solid fucking effect. No, no, it does look good compared to a lot of the new movies where they yeah, yeah, do yeah. water CGI. Mm -hmm. No, it does look great. Mm -hmm. In terms of water effect, I'm probably gonna say my favorite one is gonna be and there's only one scene, and it was from The Mandalorian, and it's when they pulled the razor crest out of the water in season two. Oh, I'm trying to I'm trying to recall that scene in my head. He was coming in for the crash landing. Remember it was like the next episode after like Grogu kept eating all the eggs. Oh, okay. And yeah. Crash landing mm -hmm. and it fell right and it tipped over into the water. Yeah. And so when they pulled it out, the the sheer physics of when you're pulling an object out of the water, mm -hmm. just the the murkiness coming into scene and then the water. Do you actually the see pressure, the foams and suds? The foam, but then it's like when he breaks the water, mm -hmm. that's when it's like the release of tension because the water just goes Honestly, the comes up and then the swishing back and forth, like inside the it just looked yeah. beautiful. Honestly, the first movie I can say that really nailed real simulated waterworks. I hate to put it on the fucking pedestal was Avatar. God, the waterfall it. scene I, when he fall yeah. when he jumps off and then jumps in. It was pretty and he's, smooth, you know, splashing yeah. through and trying to that that's some smooth fucking water effects. Yeah, I, I got one that you guys weren't thinking of, but I found out about like, huh? What? Really good, so good that. They have to downscale it because it looked too realistic. Find an emo. Wait, okay. Find an emo. For who? What? For who? The scene where they're showing the ocean itself. Yeah. Apparently, the original shot was too photorealistic. Too, too photorealistic. <laughs> You're lying. No, look it up. Pixar actually said. Oh my goodness. Because when they showed it initially, this is why. Why did you film it? This is we didn't film it. Like no, you filmed the water. Why did you film the water and not the you know then go to CGI? Oh wow! So it was too good. For Pixar standards, for, oh, no, no. for a kid, yeah, I'm not gonna a digital movie, is what you're saying. Yeah, like was, Pixar looked at the it water and looked like, too realistic. Uh, yeah, finding the right CG water and yeah. fish in Nemo. They it, it, the first the first time they showed it, it was way too realistic, so they had to actually downscale it, or wow. sorry, uh, downgrade it. Damn. So you're talking about an opening shot of just the surface of the water. Yes, the hyper realism. I get I get that because. That is a film that's not trying to sell hyperrealism. Yeah. Yeah. So when you have something that's like too, too eye candy popping, I was like, wait a second, it's that, gonna draw yeah. you out. Yeah, it's it draws like, you. Wait, out. I it came does. For like I came for Finding Nemo, not Castaway. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently that was the the major mistake that Pixar did. They just created too good of water. Wow. How do you guys feel about that Lion King movie, the, was, the remake? I, I hated it. Yeah. It was uh, too real. But, was it was was it, it was too real. Too so was so it wasn't the storytelling that got you off or how they. The storytelling too. I mean, okay, we, we're unfortunately with the story. We, we're familiar with the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not a whole new story other than- We're familiar with, you know, an already great story. Yeah, but those effects, like the actual hyper-realism, did it bother you guys? It, it did, did bother me. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, the recent work in cartoon, because cartoon. facial expressions, that's yeah. the major yeah. thing. Yeah. This one had no facial <laughs> expressions. The closest to a facial expression and realism of a lion is when its eyebrows move. Oh yeah, that's it. But, but even then, in this movie, they were slightly like you could barely tell. There the was only no, one that had actual 
stone cold face and just mouth moving. The yes. only one that had <laughs> the only one that had facial expressions was Timon. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because it's like meerkats do have they do, yeah, they do have more expressive faces. Yeah, yeah. How, that you, gonna, is, how you gonna make a Lion King and not sing the song "Be Prepared"? Who the fuck does that? Yeah, I have a huge gripe on that one too. Yeah, All right. yeah. That, oh my goodness. That, I do not want to hear a fucking William Shatner rend- rendition of it. <laughs> you should have brought back Jeremy Irons. <laughs> I needed that. I was stoked on that. And I was like, oh, here we go. How are they going to do all this? Small rant. They should never actually fucking done the, the whole plot with the hyenas. Ever. Oh no, yeah. That's Just absolutely they unnecessary. They should have took that out. Yeah. Didn't need that. All right, I okay. think that's going to be a good place. Okay. Actually, okay. One, one little thing. Okay, one, one, more. Thing. one thing. Just a bad uh, practical. Bad practical oh. effect. Just so oh, quickly. Okay, okay are gonna, yeah. Are we going to totally bypass Annihilation? Mortal Kombat Annihilation? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're that. Okay, okay. So that won't uh, yeah. okay I'll say you. mine real quick. Robocop. The falling out when he falls uh, out the window. Oh, it's the stretch arm <laughs> stretch on The 10 foot arms. <laughs> okay, now I got to look that up before we close this off. take at least the last five minutes right now just to look that up. <laughs> oh, definitely. Look up these bad CGIs. I'll tell you mine. I already showed you guys mine. Okay, bad practical. The That one, bad CGI, the uh, Scorpion King. There you go. Oh, Those are mine. yes. Oh, wait, you're going to cut out, uh, you're going to come out The Mummy Returns? Yeah, that's bad. See, the Rock. Yeah. This, yes. That's this should just have the Rock come out. Power Drive. Brendan Fraser. That's it. All right. Here we go. We got this guy getting shot out of the window, and then falling down. And look, those stretchy arms. Look oh at that. my god. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. yeah. I look never noticed you that. Know, you've never noticed that. Bull I never noticed. Shit. You know, How could I no one swear notice to god. that. I have never noticed that in my life. Look at the ten foot arms, dude. Look at, look at that. Holy shit. <laughs> That is why, dude. He could touch his feet. Yeah, I don't know what. How did that come to what be? Do you know how that came, the stretchy arms came to be? I don't know. I'm pretty, it looks like a doll. So, oh it my does. god, that is ugh. Uh, that is nightmare feel. I think that's where we should close this off. Yeah, All that's all. Right. Bad yeah, practical. We'll close yeah. that. Jesus. Yeah, man. Oh, bad, bad, bad effect. Uh. <laughs> all right. We want to thank everyone for listening to tonight's podcast. I'm curious about your thoughts on tonight's topics. Do you have favorite CGI film effects? Do you have favorite practical effects? Do you have effects that you just completely hate? Let us know. You can leave a comment below if you're watching this on our YouTube channel. If not, we'll be putting this up on an open forum on our website, www.nextjourneypro.com forward slash redbandpodcast for our listeners to discuss episode topics and various other film-related news. We put out episodes every Friday. For audio listeners, you can find the Red Band Podcast on iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, and of course, our website, which I'll say again, www.nextjourney.com or nextjourneypro.com forward slash Red Band Podcast. Please like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. Later, y'all.